Welcome to the Tony Rossetti Podcast. I guess that's what we're going to call it today. Uh, this is a special edition. So anyways, we're from the Center for Media Intervention at Point Park University, and I'm here with... Cal Adamitis. Good to be with you, Tony. Talking a little Pittsburgh football and Pitt sports, so looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's a pleasure having you. <laughs> so I'm going to get right into it. So my first question off the bat is, why was Pitt your number one choice for school? Absolutely. So, you know, to be completely honest, uh, growing up, Pitt wasn't always like my go-to team to root for. Um, you know, uh, don't don't hold this against me, but my dad actually went to Penn State. So I grew up rooting for, for Penn State um, in some regards as a little kid and obviously still rooted for Pitt and especially Pitt hoops when, when they were really having some glory years there with, with Jamie Dixon. But uh, once I got to high school, and uh, was trying to get recruited to play tight end at some D1AA, like D2-type schools. Um, but long story short, you know, was also pursuing long snapping and uh, had gotten a preferred walk-on from Pitt and then had a little injury my senior year to my knee that sidelined me in terms of tight end fullback, so things kind of fell through with that. But Pitt stuck with me and, um, you know, and kind of deep down I knew I was most motivated as well to try to play at the Power 5 level, so... Um, Really wasn't until later in high school that I became a, a Pitt man, but you know, once once I got to Pitt and you know put on the script for the first time, there was no going back after that. Yeah, and you know, just tell me, like, how was it going from being like a tight end to a long snapper? How was the adjustment for that? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, um, obviously, you know, there's part of it just long snapping kind of genetically started clicking for me pretty quickly. You know, it's, it's something that. Um, Obviously, anybody can do to a certain extent, but also there was an aspect of where I just felt like it was, I was catching on really quickly with it. And, uh, you know, the reason I originally started long snapping was my junior year in high school. Um, we were like going into the season, like one of the top 20 teams in the country. We were like stack team. And I was, you know, basically just fighting for time as a tight end, um, but still not to the point that would, you know, constitute getting scholarship offers yet. Um, and my dad was the one who just said, hey, you know, long snapping's is an a additional way to get on the field. And then in addition to that, teams are starting to give guys scholarships and put guys on scholarship just to long snap in college. And, uh, yeah, so that was my junior year when I really started getting serious about it. And then uh, it worked out well, like I said, because, you know, going into my senior year was when I did the whole camp circuit and went to Pitt's, Pitt's camp as a long snapper and got that preferred walk on. And, you know, had I not, who knows if I ever would have even played college football with things kind of not panning out as a tight end. Yeah, and, you know, just tell me how it was, you know, going not only going from tight end to long snapper, but, like, becoming a long snapper and adjusting from, you know, a high school level to a college level. How was it stepping up into that Power 5 conference? Yeah, so, you know, I, I definitely feel like my football experience at Central helped prepared me because, you know, I as a tight end and fullback at Central, you know, Coach Sheridan, who's, you know, one of my good friends now, um, he's definitely a, a tough coach and held really high standards and pushed us really hard and just kind of instilled a good work ethic so that when I got to college, you know, I wasn't just like at practice, you know, sitting on the sideline, snapping a couple balls and then just drinking Gatorade, hanging out. Like I just kind of had that instilled work ethic to, you know, make use of my time. And that's what helped get me on the field immediately. Just, you know, anytime the coach would look over, like I'd be doing something or snapping balls or doing a drill or, you know, even trying to hop into like linebacker tackling circuit, stuff like that. And that, that definitely earned the respect of my coaches and my teammates and, you know, enabled them to trust me to play at a young age as the long snapper, um, you know, instead of having to sit a couple years and learn before getting on the field. Yeah, and you know, going back to Central Catholic, ton of players from Central Catholic and 
you had Division One now. You had De, uh, Demar Hamlin, and I think Brian O'Neill went there as well. Uh, the, Bryson Gardner, yeah. Bri- yeah, 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 Bryson Gardner, yeah. yeah. And what's it called? Um, but anyways, um, how was it playing at Central Catholic and you know at like Highmark Stadium? Yeah, that was awesome. Um, some really cool Friday night light experiences, just because that I mean that backdrop of you know the train tracks behind you and then the the city skyline. There's there's nothing like that. And for some of the bigger games, you know, when we played Phil Jerkovic and Pine Richland there, and uh, some other just big games. I mean, it would be just a packed house and just an awesome experience. Really unique high school football experience. And in terms of just the the nature of playing for Central, just the level of competition just within the team I think is one of the most crucial things to help you develop as a player so it was just it was an awesome experience and you know it I, I attribute so much of my success at the collegiate level to my experience playing with four central and those Friday night high mark games yeah and you know speaking about uh Phil Jerkovich you guys played against him during like the COVID year where you guys lost by one point sadly yeah <laughs> how, how was it you know getting to play someone you played in high school as well it was really neat and he's I mean I've never Obviously, we we used to battle in in high school, but I've he's always been a, a good guy. Seems like he has a level head, and and uh, it's just cool to play against other Pittsburgh guys. I think you know once you get to college, obviously everyone's loyal to their their high school, but at the same time, it's just fun to play other Pittsburgh guys. And Pittsburgh football is kind of a tight knit community, and anytime you get to suit up against another Whipple guy, it's a fun thing. And there was one play in particular where he was scrambling and got tackled near the sideline. And I was just kind of chilling out watching the, watching the defense. And he like rolled and kind of slid right in front of me and he stood up and I was like, Oh, roll Vikes, roll Vikes. (laughs) And he kind of like looked at me and just ran away. But I don't know if he'll remember that at all, but I thought it was pretty funny of me. So Yeah, so like going back to Central Catholic now, that is like that's that's awesome though. Like it just also shows, you know, small world after all. Like mm-hmm. you played the same guy you played in college as well, and I'm sure there was probably many others too. Absolutely. But like with uh with you being a long snapper as a freshman, you started pretty much every game. How did how did it feel to be able to start immediately? It was cool. I mean it's it was definitely surreal for I mean, when I think of that twenty seventeen season I just smile because it was just such a whirlwind and our punter was a old veteran Ryan Winslow he was an all all conference guy and heck of a punter and he definitely took me under his wing and kind of showed me the ropes and it was just great because I felt like I was like definitely they were looking out for me Winslow was showing me the ropes and uh I just can't be I don't know how to say how grateful I was for that experience because I really when I think about it didn't know like the magnitude of what was going on and like the magnitude of power five football but I just knew I was doing what I really wanted to do I was doing what I dreamt about doing and just kind of tried to show up every day as an open book and give it my all and just really thankful for the guidance from coach Narduzzi and the veterans on that team to take me under their wing and just trust me to do a crucial role as a as a young freshman and it was just an awesome season and to cap it off with that win versus Miami when they were number two in the in the nation was just a really, really neat and memorable, you know, freshman season. Yeah, and I my next question was actually regarding that. You okay. Know, <laughs> with you know, they were stacked that year. I think they still had um Homer who plays for the Seahawks now and you know, there's probably NFL players scattered from there, Brevin sure. Jordan as well. Can you take me through like the closing moments of the game seeing like Kenny Pickett for the first time like stepping on into the spotlight yeah it's interesting because you with certain games sometimes I just remember like the way like I felt that day going into the game compared to other games and that was a game where I remember just thinking like 
it was senior night and or senior day, you know, last home game. And it was the day after Thanksgiving. And I just remember like trying to have so much fun and just being like, you know what? I want to play good for no other reason than to just like help send the seniors off. Right. And for whatever reason, like it just felt different that day. Like that was, you know, that was definitely the best ball that that team played that whole season. And we just seemed like there was like a loose, just confidence going into that game you know, nothing to lose you know sometimes when you got nothing to lose that's when you're most dangerous and we definitely were that day and I even remember just like trying to be not necessarily goofy but in another area just kind of lightening the mood I just usually I wear like the standard Nike undershirt um but for that game I, I remember for the Panther Prowl I had worn under my dress shirt like a white beater and I was like you know what I'm just gonna go out to warm-ups in my in my beater today like why not like it's the last game of the season like let's just have a little bit of you know I guess swagger I don't know but it was it was just a fun day and and everyone just played so well and just things just clicked and Kenny kicked off his career awesomely and we sent off some of those seniors the right way. And, you know, speaking of the wife beater story, uh, <laughs> did you continue wear- wearing that? I actually did not. It's not very comfortable, to be honest, because <laughs> with the tight-fitting jerseys and then, like, the cotton undershirt, it just, like, gets wet and heavy and kind of stretches out. So I didn't continue that, but it was definitely a fun, just random memory from that day. And, like, speaking of, like, just, like, rituals or superstitions, like, do you have anything you do before the game that you have to do before the game that gets you fired up? Um... To be honest, I've not not a ton. Like I well actually I do have um some like mental notes that I've gotten from like sports psychologists through the years that I always read. Um usually whenever like just on our way to the stadium. So I'll kinda of plan it out like, you know, it takes me about ten, fifteen minutes to read through everything and kind of digest it. So I usually whether it's the bus ride or just plan it out so that about fifteen minutes before we arrive at the stadium, that's kind of my like subconscious trigger to like start getting ready and locked in that's usually that's probably the one one tradition or thing I usually do to prep myself um other than that you know I I've honestly in a lot of ways try to just do more routines throughout the week because game day sometimes it's tough to really control your routine there's just so much going on but you feel as long as you feel prepared going into the day which which that comes from having a good week of practice so it's really during the week when I'm more routine oriented than the actual game day Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you for uh, letting me know about that. You know, <laughs> and I was just, you know, you know, certain players have different different uh, types of superstitions. Absolutely. I forgot how to speak there for a second. <laughs> but uh, anyways, you know, well, let's go into 2018. And one game when I think of special teams in particular is definitely the game against Syracuse that season. Okay. Just because of, uh, and this is 2018 when Alex Kessman hit two 55-plus field goals. Absolutely. And also. Homecoming victory. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> You know, you're part of the special teams. How did it feel to help represent special teams and get, you know, the team to win, really help the team get the win? Because without those field goals, there's no overtime. Yeah, it was just a really fun game. And it was cool, too, because the prior year, Kess had also kicked the Carrier Dome record for the longest field goal in 2017. Unfortunately, we lost that year. But for whatever reason, when we played the Orangemen, Kess was just locked in. But, uh, yeah, that was that was a really fun game, and homecoming's always fun too, because there's just some extra energy around the stadium, and always a cool like guest captain we have come back for homecoming. But it was just awesome, uh, just a day where you know, when when one of your teammates is just hitting on all cylinders and like doing and playing to like the maximum of their potential, you just get in a good rhythm, and it was just fun. And that's kind of games like that. I don't even really think about like the 
I guess, crucial situations we were operating in, just more kind of the feeling of being locked in and like it, it just didn't matter what the circumstance was. Like we knew if we got the ball down, Kess was going to nail it. And like that, he was just on fire. And it was fun too because after the game, they Kess was getting some like media love and they brought him into like the media room to do a post-game like interview type thing. And um, I forget if it was EJ, who's our head media guy, or Coach Powell. I think they both suggested Kess brought um, – the holder and I both back there for the interviews as well. So it was cool. We were just like standing next to the podium, like his posse. So it was, it was a really fun game and just a cool game where Kess just, he couldn't miss. He was on fire. And what's even crazier is like the fact that there was a delay that game too. Yep. Oh yeah. Which was like, it, it was like almost an hour, I think. Yeah. Right? Cause we were beating them pretty handily before the delay. And then after the delay, they mounted kind of a comeback to set it into overtime. And I remember sitting in the locker room talking to our strength coach i was like what's the like protocol on the delay and he was like and we'll he, he literally said straight up he's like we'll wait here until 8 30 p.m and if we don't start the game by then we'll play the rest of it tomorrow and i was like okay let's 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 get this going <laughs> like I'm, i do not want to sit here until 8 30 or go back home and then come back tomorrow and play that would be that'd be pretty rough so i was glad the delay didn't last too long yeah and i don't know what it is but i feel like iowa state like I know this is off topic, but Iowa State, like every time, every season at the beginning of the year, there's always a delay in one of their <laughs> games. It's it's weird. That I, is, I'm, I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned Iowa State too because the strength coach I was talking to at, back then, that whole staff ended up going to Iowa State. So maybe it's something something with that, that staff. <laughs> maybe they like Maybe they like it. Yeah. They're, maybe they like having a little break in between the games. Putting a little English in the clouds or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, my next question is that same season, you guys went on an absolute tear. You guys beat Duke and finished up your win streak against Wake Forest to clinch that Coastal Division. And Wake Forest is going to be, you know, a theme here with big wins. <laughs> but, you know, how how was it being able to go back, you know, four straight victories, you know? What was behind it and how did it feel to win four straight to get the Coastal? Yeah, that was definitely uh, neat because, I mean, similar to any – good team there's I feel like a point in time in the season where you really start to feel like you're playing your best ball and the team's clicking and I remember I think it was after I forget which game but when it was like I remember talking to my dad like after the game being like if we win like next week for versus Virginia like we'll be in first in the coastal and I remember Virginia when we went to play them in 2018 and it was like really rainy that game I think they were ranked like 24 and it was mm -hmm. just kind of sneakily like a really big game and but I think we were fully aware like hey if we beat Virginia on this like Friday night game despite our record you know not being super stellar at this point in time like we'll be first in the coastal and like on our way to the AC championship and uh I think everyone just got excited about that and I mean we had two absolute beasts in the backfield between Quadriolison and Darren Hall and they caught fire and Kenny was playing well so it was just an exciting run when things just really started to click and we were like, we're a lot better of a team than I think our record shows right now. Yeah. And you guys definitely proved it against Virginia and they, yeah, they, they were, that was like their first time in the top 25. Yeah. Like Matt Schaub, I think. Exactly. And you guys we ended them. it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys beat them. It was like 23, 13, I think. Yeah. I yes. want to say final was, yeah, maybe 25. 20, yeah, something like that. We beat them by two scores, I remember, yeah. which was because in the second half of that game, it was just like one drive, Quadri Olsen, we'd hand it off to him. The next would be Darren, and they just both had like 100-plus yard games that night and just were – I think we must have had the ball for literally 
25 of the 30 minutes in the second half. <laughs> and I think they probably had the ball even longer and on that win streak when they played Virginia Tech that year. Yeah, oh yeah, is... that was that was fun too, that senior night game. <laughs> uh, so you guys made it to the championship, and uh, you guys didn't get the results you wanted, obviously. But how was it being able to step onto the big stage you know, in the ACC championship? Yeah, I mean, that game was... You know, obviously we would have loved to find a way to pull out a win versus that Clemson team, but that's one of those games that um, you just learn so much from. And, you know, I don't think this group has the success that we had this past year um, without, you know, learning some tough lessons in a game like that. Because, you know, as much as you'd love to say, oh, you know, we're ready for it, there's really nothing like the first time you play in a championship game. And, I mean, that Clemson team was – they they were the national champions. Like, they beat the crap out of Alabama like two weeks later. So – they they were the best team in the country and we played them in a big game and you know unfortunately they kind of they beat up on us a little bit but um it just that group of guys that played in that game that AC championship game in in 2018 that were here this past season to play in it again there was just such a more level of confidence of like we've been here before like we don't need to do anything special because that was something too I feel like with that Clemson team like really good teams in big games they don't do anything additional or different or get any extra really like amped up for the game like naturally you get a little extra amped up but they just like play the way they can play and I feel like that's what with this Wake Forest you know AC championship this past year we just kind of weathered the storm like we knew that they were going to find ways to score so as long as we just kept doing our thing like we'd win in the end and that's really kind of what happened we just weathered the storm and things started going our way and just ended up pulling away with it in the second half. Yeah, and you know, I'm going to go, you know, a little bit back to right after that season and obviously your your experience against good teams proved to be, you know, good against UCF. Absolutely. Can, can yeah. you just like talk to me a little bit about UCF cuz it felt like the whole game people were making plays like Hamlin had a game-saving tackle, you know, Pinnock played great defense against Davis. Can you just like tell me your guys' mindset during that game? Yeah, that was uh that was honestly up until this past season, I think that was the most fun game I had played at Pitt because, you know, they were what 15 coming into town that year and um it was just like a beautiful day. And that was another one of those games where sometimes something just kind of felt different. Like we just were loose. We knew it was a big game, but it wasn't like a kind of suffocating feeling. It was just like an uplifting of like, yeah, like we get a chance to play a good team in front of our home crowd. And it's a beautiful day. Like this should be a fun, fun day. And we just kept making plays and they're an explosive team. You know, they scored, they got themselves back into that game and ended up, ended up putting us in a position where, you know, Kenny needed to drive down the field for the winning touchdown, which, which he did. And it was just a cool, you know, for me, obviously not being a, you know, 70 rep a game type guy, you know, on offense or defense, I sometimes just am able to analyze like the feel on the sideline and just how the team feels and that was just another day that from my perspective it seemed like everyone was just loose and having fun and it didn't matter how many times they scored um like we were just going to bounce back and keep playing and it came down to the wire and by the end of the game like we just we still had the juice and that's what you know propelled us to win that one yeah and you know that goes back to another thing I wanted to ask is you know Wow, what's his face? But Dylan Gabriel, yep. incredible quarterback, and mm-hmm. you know Trevor Lawrence. Well, you know the year before. Um, but who is like? Is there anyone that stands out to you that's like when you were on the sideline watching, like this is the best player I've played against? Um, 
well, I didn't play against this guy, but I, I looked at Kenny a lot of times this year and said, this is, might be the best football player I've ever seen in my life. But um, definitely Trevor Lawrence was, like, different. He he just in that game, he was making throws in bad conditions. Like, it was rainy. I don't know if you remember. It was pretty darn rainy that day. And he just was making throws and just as a big dude, too. Like, you see him on TV. Like, he obviously looks pretty tall but looks kind of lanky. But I remember, like, after the game – and like jogging past him, you know, and I was just like, this dude's big. Like he was, he was all of six, five or whatever he's listed as. And just like a, a big kind of big looking dude. And he definitely played just as big as he looked. And I just remember after that game, I was like, all right, that dude's, he's definitely, he's definitely different. But, you know, I have to imagine as well that that's the way a number of teams felt, you know, this past season after, after playing number eight. So <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I'm going to jump back to the 2019 season. So you guys didn't get the bowl you guys were anticipating, <laughs> but you guys got your first bowl win like as you were a member on the team. How did the team feel getting, you know, the first bowl win for Narduzzi and for yourself? For sure. I mean, just finishing with a win is great. You know, obviously sometimes it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, we want to play in this bowl game or that one. But no matter where you go, like you're going to have a good time. And just to finish the season with a win just lets you go into that off season with just a little bit of a better feeling. And that first day of winter workouts is just a little better when you finish with a win than when when you finish with an L. So, um, yeah, just just good getting that win. And unfortunately, you know, I would have loved to get the win this year, but still by, you know, we, we battled, and I think, you know, we our team showed a lot of heart in that game. So it was by no means a bad game to finish out my pit career, but it's always good to win no matter what bowl game. Yeah, and, you know, Michigan State's still Michigan State too. You yeah. know, yeah. They're, always, they're always solid. But I'm going to go back to, to 2020 now. You guys started out 3-0, and but – the whole season kind of had an asterisk on it. Uh, how did how was that season, and how was it adjusting to all the COVID rules and stuff? Yeah, that that whole season was definitely just unique. I mean, I definitely learned a lot of valuable lessons in that season, but it was weird because you really would kind of go through your week of practice not knowing for sure if you're going to play. You know, we there were we, every week we would see on Thursday. You know, some team had ten guys test positive so the game was canceled and it even happened with us versus Georgia Tech like we were waking up to go to practice and all of a sudden we get like a uh, standardized message from like we have like that Teamworks app I don't know if you ever heard that's how like they communicate everything to everyone on the team Mm -hmm. get a Teamworks message like nobody come into practice like we'll send you a testing time like um, I I guess yeah it was was I, 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 now I'm blanking if it was us or Georgia. I think it was Georgia Tech the one that actually had the t- positive test. But even so, they're like, we're, you guys aren't going to have practice. Like, we're not, we're, you know, not playing this weekend. We got to reschedule the game. So it was just weird, like, going through your day-to-day grind. Just, you definitely had to learn to take everything more day by day. Because even during camp, there was a point in time when the Big Ten was postponing. And I believe it was the Big 12. Everyone was waiting to hear their verdict because... They were thinking that would tip the scale one way or the other, whether or not we'd play. And I remember one distinct day during camp where we literally, everyone was like dapping each other up and saying bye, like to the seniors, thinking that our season was going to be canceled. And then sure enough, like the next day we come back, had practice again. And like, okay, I guess maybe we might be all right. So it was weird. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you guys finished six and five, but there was, there was some games like against NC State, like you guys were a play away from being like an eight and three, you know, seven, four team, like. That was definitely the difference this past year is those close games, like, we would just find a way to win. 
because there was I mean literally I think of every season I had at Pitt um, obviously there were a couple games where things just kind of went south but for most of the losses we had it would be one score or a field goal and it's just like dang like if we can find a way to win those games we're going to be a 10 and 2 team versus you know a 7 and 5 team or a 6 and 6 team yeah and you know there was one good thing that definitely came out of 2020 Chris Kirk Christodoulou you know Ray Guy finalist how did it feel to I mean you're the long snapper how did it feel to be a key contributor to success absolutely it was really exciting because you know Kirk's put in a lot of hard work throughout the years and with him being an Aussie he has the capability to do something like the rugby style kicking that's become big in college and 2020 was the first time where you know he had a couple years under his belt and our coaches you know made the decision to you know let him do some of that stuff and just mix up the bag of kind of the looks we give more often and he really capitalized on that and showed that he's an elite punter and it was just really exciting to see him just catch his stride and he I mean his confidence definitely you know went went through the roof that season and it was just great to see him really catch his stride and and finish out his career uh strong through 2020 and 2021 um just after you know following that year yeah and you know there's one game like I remember and I remember when he first started playing it was 2018 against Penn State and, like, the special teams as a whole kind of just went downhill that game. But then, like, as it went on, you guys got improving and improving. And, like, last year, I think he had, like, 28 fair catches or something crazy. Yeah, like he kicked a ton of fair catches, which is which is awesome. And he definitely, you know, in a lot of ways, it was a little bit of a baptism by fire, like you said, with that, you know, Penn State game was definitely tested, you know, all of our salt a little bit because um, it was just a big game that we obviously felt that we didn't have our best performance in. And, um but, you know, those are the kind of games that later on in your career you look back and you're like, I just learned so much and, like, you know, wish it wouldn't have costed what it costed, but at the same time it just develops you so much and you learn so much from, from tough games like that. Yeah, and, like, you guys, special teams-wise, especially Kessman, you guys really stepped it up throughout the season and it just shows, like, everything does kind of happen for a reason, you know? Absolutely, and especially with special teams there's just the aspect of, the more you get guys to buy in and take personal ownership of their role, the, just the better you're going to play. And it it just starts with, you know, the guys, even your specialists, you know, like Kirk and Kirk and I and Kess just buying in fully and helping bring other guys along. And there's always some great guys um, who, you know, put in a lot of reps on special teams and help set the tone. Yeah, and, you know, you finally got promoted to, like, team captain. So I want to talk, like, how awesome was that to become captain of the team? It was definitely, I mean, super, super memorable. It might be, you know, obviously winning the AC championship was just an awesome, unbelievable feeling. And I'd say only sec- second to that is being named team captain just because it was something that definitely validated, like, a lot of hard work. And just uh, it was really cool for me because I'd definitely given my all over the past five years. And felt that I was trying to do everything I could to you know help my teammates when I could and be a good example and just be you know a, a leader on the team and to be voted you know one of the team captains uh just was cool for me because I was like okay I, I think like I've been doing the right stuff like guys have been noticing and I've been helpful and helping to maybe leave Pitt a, a better place than it was when I got there um and just keep moving the ball forward so it just meant a lot from that regard and it was kind of funny when they announced it um coach Narduzzi it was after practice during camp and he was like all right and also you know today because it was the last camp practice he's like all right and to finish up you know I'm gonna 
uh, name, you know, our team captains, the guys who were voted on to be team captains. And he started out and he's like, oh, you know, no surprise, Kenny Pickett. And everyone's like claps for him. He's like, all right, Deslin, you know, Deslin Alexander, you know, has been great for us on defense. He'll be one of our defensive captains. And Cam Bright. And then, you know, everyone clapped for Cam. He's like, all right, yep, that's everyone. And then uh, we started to sit up and he was like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, sit back down. And then he, he was like, all right, you know, last up. You know, it might be the first time I've ever seen this, but like Cal Adamitis, our long snapper, and that was that was really cool, and got a cool, you know, applaud from my teammates. So that was a, a really cool day. Oh, that's such an awesome story. <laughs> it's 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 not a like a walk on story, but it's similar to one where he's like, oh wait, he, there's actually a captain for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's awesome though. It was fun. And like that year, I just um last year in particular, there was one game where I think everyone kind of got onto the field pretty much and like it was just non-stop new hampshire yeah <laughs> roughed them up a little bit um, yep. 77-7 you know most scoring in a game for pitt since like 1926 yeah and uh can you just like talk to me about what your team's mindset that game when you guys went out there and just destroyed them yeah um if i remember correctly so that was that was the week after we had uh lost to western michigan so you know, we knew that was our homecoming game, and we were just like, we just need to just pummel this team. Like we, we, you know, obviously fumbled the bag a little bit versus versus Western Michigan, but nothing we can do about it now other than like make a statement that like we're not just, you know, the same old pit teams from the past four years like we're a little different and we're a little better than we've been and that was just a fun game where I mean obviously Kenny was just like hitting on all cylinders Jordan was hitting on all cylinders like everyone was just flying around and there was no there was no hangover from losing to Western Michigan everyone's just like no like it's time to get back on the horse and like show that we actually are a better team than you know we have been in past years and just with it being homecoming just was a lot of energy and was a really fun day across the board and it definitely, you know, helped us right the ship and get back on the right track and get some confidence back in us that, like, we're as, we're as good as we think we are and we're as good as, you know, we'll go as far as we believe we can go, basically. And that momentum continued. And my next question is, over 60,000 fans against Clemson, how was that game for you? Yeah, that was awesome. That definitely is another just game that I'll remember for the rest of my life. I remember the feeling like when they played Sweet Caroline at the start of the fourth quarter. And there was no, even though, you know, it was a pretty tight game for the most part, there was no, like, anxiety. There was no kind of guys being tight. Like, we were all just, like, singing along, like, we're going to win this, you know. And it was just a good, confident, not, like, arrogant or anything, but just confidence that we knew we were going to win the game. And, like, after the game when they started launching the fireworks, I remember seeing – like a couple of our administrators on the sidelines, literally like hugging each other, like in tears, like grown, grown adults hugging each other, giving bear hugs and like shedding tears of joy. And I was just like, dang, like that was a, that was a, a meaningful win for, for Pitt at home. And that was just a super, super fun game. So I'll remember that one for a while. <laughs> and like, you're talking about the fireworks. I remember I was at that game, like, and the fireworks started going off. I'm like, Oh wow! Like Pitt's back this year. Yeah. <laughs> was that? Would you say like th that was the game that like you guys knew that you had a legitimate shot at winning the ACC? Absolutely. That was um, the like little thing Coach Narduzzi had said leading up to that game is he gave everyone like a a gold sharpie 
And it was a little corny, but it was fun. Like everyone bought in and loved it. He said, this is going to be our signature win. Like carry this Sharpie with you the whole week. This is our signature win. And like after the game, we get in the locker room and we're all routing, said our like little post-game prayer. And then like Coach Dundas, he stands up and he's like, first thing, pulls out of his pocket, holds up the Sharpie. And he's like, signature win. And everyone just started going crazy. So it was cool. That was another cool part about this team is that everyone would buy in like stuff in past years when we would do something like a little maybe cliche to try to get fired up there'd always be guys kind of like feeling too cool for it or whatever but we had fun with that kind of stuff this year and like committed to it and it made it a a lot of fun and you know speaking of like i don't want to say corny things but like cliche kind of things like how I know you didn't have to do it because you're a long snapper, but how did the, the the dunking happen? Like, how did that get introduced? Yeah, that actually, I think we started that in 2019, actually. So we've been doing that for a couple of years, but it's just a fun thing. Like, uh, I guess a healthy way to let, you know, the defense get nice and rowdy and celebrate a turnover without, you know, having to do it on the field. Because I know, I forget what year when, like, I don't know if the role changed or if guys just started like celebrating more, but now like in the NFL, every time it gets a pick, like everybody's on the field and celebrating and like, you still can't do that in college. So there had been times in, in prior years where we'd been like a little close to be getting a penalty. Um, but I think that was a healthy way of just like directing that energy back towards the sidelines, but still letting everyone have a good time after a turnover. Yeah. You know, and like there's so many teams like Miami's turnover chain and stuff like that, but yeah, I know I think, like, the first game we saw that, it may have been Duke in, like, 2019. Yeah, it was definitely a little while ago. Mm -hmm. I think, too, maybe it stuck because there's a number of our our defensive backs who are pretty good ball players, and I like to think that, you know, or they like to think that they could definitely play on the Pitt Hoops team. So we'll see. I don't know if they're quite of that caliber, but I've definitely seen some some pretty good ballers in our locker room. Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to go back to, like, football talk, like, with, like, that whole season. Guys, dropped the Miami game, and that was a safety. And I'm not like affiliate with the ACC, so I'm able to say it. That was a safety. <laughs> and, but anyway, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and I'm just gonna say after that game, uh, after the debacle, I should say, <laughs> uh, you guys won out. Yep. And how? Wh- what was going through you guys' heads like game by game? Like after you guys ran the ACC, like how how did it feel? And what was going through you guys after each win? Yeah. It was, I think it just helped having a mature group and some good, good, you know, older leaders on our team because when we would play our best ball, like we would have stints and games where we're just like, we could, I feel like we could play with anybody in the country. Like, I mean, Graham and I were just talking about like that first quarter versus UNC. It was just like, we should be like a top five team in the country. Like if we played every game, like the way we played that first quarter versus UNC, you know? So we just knew, um, just trying to go one and oh every week and just trying to play as many good quarters of football as possible and just take it step by step was the best way to go about it and I think as we got towards the end of the season um when we got to that uh, Syracuse game and it was like look like we've won like we have a chance to win out we have a chance to be the first pit team since I think 81 to win 10 games in the regular season and I just remember like that week definitely was the the first week where they really like started hammering like look let's win like win finish the job like win 10 games be the first team in 30 years to do it just like finish the job and I remember it was really fun like after that Syracuse game coach doozy had just wrote in just a giant 10 on the board in the locker room and we were just all dancing around it because i mean it was yeah first time since the 80s that we won 10 regular season games 
And you did it at the right place, too, because I think people tend to forget that the Carrier Dome is actually a tough place to play. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No matter – because – and I think, you know, with the way Pitt and Syracuse just go back – way back, honestly, we've played each other every year since, I think, the early 80s. And it definitely is just like an old, like, Beast of the East rivalry game where, like, it gets chippy every time we play them. And that Carrier Dome is just like – the air is like very stuffy in there like it's kind of a they did some nice renovations but it's always like a little like musty in there and it's real loud like it almost feels like you're playing in like a hockey arena or something because the sidelines are super small and it's just uh you know in a lot of ways too Syracuse is a you know like pretty like blue collar town and you know a lot of the same clientele you know are are Syracuse fans as you know Pitt fans so it's just very similar in a lot of ways but I'm, I'm glad that we've also had the the upper hand in most of our meetings in recent years oh yeah and you guys have like practically owned them i did you did you lose to them when you were there 2017 yeah yeah my freshman year yep but that was i don't know if i'm sure you remember this but that was the first time uh kenny ever played for Pitt was in that syracuse game because uh max brown got hurt and then like the last drive of the game ben denucci's helmet came off so that was that was the first time that you know number eight stepped on the field so (laughs) Speaking of Ben DiNucci, it's a crazy story about, like, transfers to JMU and then he's in the NFL playing a Monday night football game for Dallas a couple yeah. years later. <laughs> that um, was wild. He's, I mean, it was interesting because I know that was when he played at Pine. That was definitely a, a rival with Central as well. Um, but he was a little older than me, so I, I can't say I was really much of a part of those Central Pine games uh, back then. But, you know, with, with my brother being, you know, one of Central's captains back then too, definitely knew that there was that was a, a heated rival but uh, it was interesting, like, playing with him and getting to know him. And definitely an interesting dude. Like, I think anybody who's met him, like, or played with him will say he's definitely a funny guy. Like, he's pretty interesting. Like, not in a bad way, but it, there's just a lot of things, like, I don't know, that are just – he's kind of goofy. He's funny. But <laughs> not a bad guy by any means. Yeah, and, like, I think when he transferred there, they ended up beating, like, RMU, like, 73-7. to I don't know if you remember seeing the score of that game. Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact score, but, you know, it's always good to see – someone kind of catch their stride and um you know make a move that works out well for them and you know sometimes that's all it takes is just like a fresh start and you know a different coaching staff that you may you know see things a little more eye to eye with so you know glad that his his career went well over at JMU yeah and you know you mentioned your brother yes sir (laughs) speaking of him uh how how important has it been to have like an older brother who's also been experienced you know he went to Princeton was on the Colts practice squad you know how important was it to have a brother I guess you could say like with you oh your training yeah it's I mean it's it's funny it's talking about it with him sitting right next to me but it's uh it, you can't like describe the value of it you know it's just like going to central like knowing that you know for I guess one of the ways that it's just most resounds with me is like when I was a sophomore and he was a senior and like when you're a sophomore and you're playing your first like JV reps and you're like doing the scout teams and stuff and like it can be pretty intimidating especially at a school like Central where like you know the varsity like they're they want to win state every year you know and and uh just with me and my buddies who were just figuring things out and just knowing that like Graham was always going to like look out for us and like take us under their wings and just help us develop like those they were never going to just un you know beat up on us for no reason like they're going to compete with us and make us better and hopefully we would make them better so it was just great and made that whole season you know so much fun 
to have like a senior class that kind of looks after you and takes you under the wing where I'm sure at, you know, other schools, um, or just even if I didn't have, you know, Graham there as well, where it would have just been like me getting beat up on scout team and like questioning whether I even wanted to play football where they really made us feel like a part of that squad and like important. And it, it helped us to buy in more wholeheartedly to being the scout teamers to help get them better. And would you say that there's been like any like brotherly competition between you two as you guys grew up? I mean, I'm sure, yeah, we're we're just competitive guys, like, but it's always healthy. Like, I, we always just are pumped to see each other doing our thing and just believing in each other and just excited for the for the future and hoping to definitely suit up either with or against each other, you know, in, in the league as well. So that'll that'll be coming soon. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I'm just gonna hop back to Pitt now. And uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier about like Wake Forest and. Um, you mentioned a little bit about Wake Forest earlier. You guys played them again in the ACC championship. Um, how was that? And was there a time in the game where you guys knew you had it in the bag? Um, I guess part of, you know, well, definitely the the easy answer is uh, after Eric Hallett had that pick six, we were like, all right, like we're up by a couple scores. Like we, like we should, we should win this game. But I think the important part too of having an older squad is we didn't get too caught up in that and like start making goofy mistakes because I just remember after AJ Woods had that pick and returned it almost to the house, like our sideline was just going ballistic and like part of me just wanted to go absolutely nuts. But I remember just like grabbing Kirk like, and just being like, we need to get ready for field goal. Like we got to stay locked in. Like there's a lot, a lot of football left to play. And uh, obviously everyone was fired up, but that was just another, I guess, difference with that game and this team than in prior years where we were like, let's not, like, take the foot off the pedal. Like, don't even give them a chance to, like, breathe. Like, let's just finish this and just, like, just keep running away with it. So we definitely we definitely knew that we should win, you know, after those interceptions. But there also was – everyone was just like, we need to run this score up as much as we possibly can and just, like, make a statement. So it was cool to see – it was just a cool thing to see, like, a team, like a mature team not, you know, start feeling himself halfway through the fourth quarter and then let up, you know, a crappy score or something like that. Yeah, I thought – I was watching the game from home. I sadly couldn't go down, but I thought it was hilarious because it, it was that one or the Peach Bowl game. I saw Graham on TV that day. Yeah. It, was, it was hilarious. It, it might have been that one because we were actually just earlier this week and needed something to watch, so we started watching a little bit of the TV copy of that because I don't think I ever actually had watched it, the TV copy, and then we were like, oh, we have this recorded. Like, we should watch it. And then I think it was like halfway through. We were like, oh, that's grim. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. Was like, yeah, but anyways, you know, my next question. Uh, oh, it's um, about oh the after party of the game. <laughs> Sorry, my mind went blank. But how was um how was the after game and how was like, you know, after the game? How was the celebration? Oh, it was, I mean, it was just awesome. <laughs> we the confetti and everything and just standing on the stage hoisting the trophy and you could just tell how passionate like the panther faithful were that were were down there and just singing sweet caroline and it was just it was crazy you know it's definitely the stuff you dream about as a little kid and uh you know, stayed out on the field as long as we possibly could and then got in the locker room. Like my dad had actually brought in a couple cigars that he tossed down to me and Kirk when we were heading into the locker room. I went in the locker room, lit up some cigars, just like took a bunch of pictures with the trophy and we were just hanging out in there. I don't even know how long we were in there, but it had to have been 
like an hour, hour and a half, where we were just like, dude, we won the ACC championship. Like, finally, like, how many years have we broken it down every day on, like, ACC champs to, like, you know, just try to manifest that energy and, like, finally we did it. Like, we won the ACC. Like, we won 11 games. Like, pit, pit football is on the right trajectory. And it was just – it was an unreal day. And then it was cool, too, back at the hotel, you know, I can't, you know, can't disclose all the details, but definitely, you know, had a good time with the teammates and had a couple cold ones. And, you know, they, they took care of us while in the hotel and made sure we, we had a good time and celebrated accordingly. And it was just an awesome, awesome day with just an awesome group of guys. And, uh, you know, certainly another day that I'll I'll remember for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, you know, that's so great to hear that, like, I was just so ecstatic when you guys won it, you know. Absolutely. And. Now I'm going to move on from football, and we have to talk about it, and I think it's absolutely incredible. Let's talk about, like, the Children's Hospital and, like, the raising of $94,000. Why did you start it, and what were some of the challenges with with it? Yeah, so, I mean, the original, uh, I guess, mustard seed of the idea goes all the way back to my freshman year at Pitt, and my hair was just starting to get a little longer, and then the two of the guys I lived with in Sutherland Hall uh, Owen Drexel and Carter Warren, uh, they were like, Cal, like how much would we have to pay you to cut your hair? And I was just like, I don't know, like, like two grand and like, Oh, like no way we're paying you that. Like we should see if we can do a, excuse me, do like a GoFundMe or something like that. And I was like, I don't know if you want to, but also then as soon as they looked into it, realized kind of that's like against NCAA rules. So we never followed through with it. But then, uh, coming back to the senior year, um, just with some of the new like name image and likeness policies realize like, Oh, like we can kind of use like our platform for different stuff. And you know, nowadays. And then the idea was like, dude, you should like, you, we, you should actually see like how much money we can get people to pay to cut your hair. And then kind of without, I was like, well, we could do something like actually like, you know, meaningful, like to make an impact and just being from Pittsburgh, you kind of always grow up hearing about children's hospital and all the great work you do. And, you know, my oldest brother used to be involved with the children's hospital telethon back in the day. And, kind of just the the initial idea came to me after picture day um went and talked with celeste welsh who's our you know head of community service and was just like hey do you think we would do like a fundraiser like set a goal and then if we reach the goal like have you know kids from children's hospital shave my head and we'll give all the money to children's hospital and she loved it told uh chris lasala who's our ad of operations and then ej borghetti our media guy and got us in in touch with children's brought them in talked with them they were ecstatic about the idea too um, and since they had worked with Brett Kiesel for like the sheer the beard thing back in the day too, they're like, oh, we already like, we have a good framework. Like we know what we need to do in terms of like campaigning it through media. And, you know, it also certainly helped that there was a lot of excitement around our team um, just to channel some of that excitement into, you know, an, another good way to give back to the community. And it was really neat because just the more people we talked about it, you know, every person was just as excited as the last. And, you know, before you know it, you know, college game day had said something about it. And during big broadcasts, like they'd always mention it. And it was cool too, because, you know, being on the, um, AFCA good works team, they pledged like a $10,000 donation to a charity of my choosing. So we, we kind of used children's hospital and Cal's kids as the, you know, the middleman for, for children's hospital for that. And then coach Narduzzi and his family donated 10 K, which was just like unbelievable, which was awesome. Um, and then, you know, there was another, I think it was after VTech, 
Um, uh, the Vardabadian family who's donated a lot of money to the softball program made like a $20,000 donation. Oh, wow. So it was just awesome. Like it, it was really, it would be really cool. Like after we'd have a big conference win, like to, I would check my phone after the game and I'd see a text from Celeste and be like, OMG, like so-and-so just donated $10,000. And it was cool. Like that we were channeling, you know, a lot of the, that great energy from winning towards a, another good cause as well in the community. So it was just had a lot of help from a lot of awesome people and it, it was just awesome the way that it snowballed into something really special. And that's beautiful, honestly. Like, yeah, it was and awesome. It's for, <laughs> you take something that was just a silly thought and you made it beneficial. And that, that's, you know, that's just God, you know, it's just like something God would be love. It was you just I mean? cool to have the chance. Like I've, you know, definitely think my faith has been helpful as, as, and just my development as a person. And I've kind of always like, you know, thought and prayed that like, all right, like, God, like if you put me in a position where I can like give back and make an impact, like help me to do that. And like, you know, if you can help me put me in a position to do that, like I'll, I'll do it and, and hopefully, you know, not get caught up in myself and still, you know, kind of remain grounded and humble. And that was an awesome kind of tangible way to make sure, you know, my heart was still in the right place and was still, you know, playing the game for the right reasons. Amen to that. Amen <laughs> to that. And do you like? Do you plan on like continuing fundraising as you keep going? Absolutely. Just through the people I've met, um, you know, at Children's Hospital and and some of the families I've gotten to meet. It's just like the work that you know people do at, at Children's Hospitals throughout the nation. It's just, it's just you know invaluable. Like it's it's amazing. And like people that work there are real life superheroes. And um, I'll definitely, no matter where I end up, look forward to hopefully continuing to work, you know, in the community and, and especially in like children's hospital and, and uh, pediatric cancer. Cause it's just a cause that, you know, they need every dollar that, that they can get and it's all going to a great cause. So I'm, I'm thinking honestly, the, the next step might be, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a winter beard grown right now. So I might, unless Brett Keys will put like a trademark on it, might do like a, a, a beard kind of similar concept, grow the beard out and then raise, raise some money for children's hospital, get involved you know with whatever city i'm in and you know maybe shave the beard so that's i'm, I'm brewing something up you know over this winter <laughs> please do please do i'll be glad to I'll help out with that too. awesome <laughs> <laughs> and la- and i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna finish up here on my my last note and it just really um i just want you to talk to me about like the draft combine and you're the only long snapper in it how did it feel to be the only long snapper did you feel honored by that absolutely it's definitely a great honor and uh you know, it's it's neat because you kind of have a little leeway to do things your own way. You know, like you're the only snapper there, so they can't really say like, oh, do this or do that. Like, because I, I think I was the first snapper to ever do like all the combine testing. And not that all of it was anything, you know, to, to write home about. You know, I did, did decent on the 40 and the bench, which I was happy about. Um, But like just it was cool because I just got a chance to kind of really – show them what type of person I was and like I was the only snapper there so like 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 me or not like they had to deal with me and so it's just a cool opportunity to like really get to know a lot of coaches and scouts and GMs and and uh you know whether whether it was against their will or not they had to pay some attention to me and and get to know me a little bit throughout those couple days and it definitely was a grind um I was you know telling some of my teammates and, and our punter I think I snapped like 60 punts and 75 field goals on Sunday just between the, you know, six or seven punters and five field goal kickers. So it was like a ton of snaps, but uh, it was just great. Like gave me an opportunity to just like go to work and like show these coaches, um, 
you know, this is just how I go about my business. And, you know, I'm just going to, no matter what team takes me, like, you're going to get my full effort. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to come in there and be complaining. Oh, like I have to snap so many balls. Like, I just wanted to like, whether, you know, obviously I'll get tired at some point and I might not have quite the pop on the ball, but like, I just wanted them to see like when I do get fatigued, when I am tired, when, you know, my back's up against the wall a little, like this is how I work. And I, I was really, really grateful to have that opportunity. Yeah. And you know, long snappers, especially now, they could be on teams for 10 to 15 years. Uh, how does it feel to know, like, if you do make a team, that you can have a long run in the NFL? Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly exciting, but I do have to say, like, just the the nature of the position, um, you know, you got to take it snap by snap because it, I don't think it'll ever get any easier, you know. it's yeah. uh, It'll only get more and more challenging the longer you play. So um, just just really taking it day by day and learning to appreciate every time I get to suit up. It's going to be crucial to playing as long as possible because it's as soon as you start to feel comfortable that you'll find yourself out of a job. And that was something too, that I was talking with um, uh, Don Mulbach, who was the snapper for the lions for like 16, 17 years. He was at the senior bowl and got a chance to sit with him for 45 minutes and just pick his brain. And he was just like, you know, as a long snapper in the NFL, like you just you have to be perfect like whether it's warm-ups like practice reps to game reps every snap's got to be perfect and the moment you mess up or start to get lackadaisical you're going to have five coaches you know down your back just saying like what's going on man like what are you doing like like why are we even paying you to do this if you can't do it you know like it's it's there's there's not a lot of friends in the business so you just have to be a good guy a good teammate you know boost up those around you and just be the most consistent guy in the room every every day yeah, and you know, my last thing is, what's next for you? Now, obviously, like, the NFL draft is, but, like, <laughs> what what can we expect from you, you know, next? Absolutely. So, I mean, the the thing coming up soonest is our pro day uh, next Monday. So, putting in the, the finishing touches for that um, should be, you know, pretty, not a, mostly just snapping since I did all the testing at the Combine, um, but looking forward to having the chance to work with Kirk one more time um, before we, you know, head to whatever teams we're heading to. And then following that, uh, a couple of, you know, private workouts, starting to um, get some private workouts with teams scheduled and get those things in the works. And then, you know, I guess by the time that finishes up, we'll be pretty close to draft day. So it, it should be a, an exciting next month. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I completely forgot to mention the senior bowl. How was that? It was great. It was uh, definitely prepared me for the combine a lot because it's it's uh, you definitely going, going, going for 10 to 12 hours a day between meetings, interviews, informal interviews, formal interviews, practice, film review. It's uh it's a busy busy week. Um it was very exhausting, but just a great experience and a great opportunity to get to know a lot of guys that you're going to be, you know, going into the league with, with next year and, you know, the guys in your rookie class and also get to know the, you know, scouts and GM or I guess more coaching staff and scouts of some teams and it uh it definitely just prepared me for or is is getting me more prepared for just some of the differences between college and the NFL where you know it is I certainly love the game just as much as I ever have but you can definitely tell in a lot of ways that I mean the NFL it's it's a business and if you don't want to do it or you don't want to do something the way that 
you know, they coach you to do it, they're just going to find someone else. And there's not as much development that takes place. You know, unless you're a first round guy that they're investing millions and millions of dollars into everyone else, it's like, you're either going to do what we tell you to do when we tell you to do it, or we're going to find someone else who will, because there is no shortage of guys who, who will do it. So it's uh, definitely starting to learn that reality a little bit as well. Yeah, and that's all I have for today, and I just wanted to thank you again for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, Tony. It was, it was great talking with you. Yeah, you too. Uh, good luck at the pro, uh, what's it called, pro day? Pro day, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but thanks again. Yeah, no problem.